Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash bookshow. Then go over to morbidlybeautiful.com as we are now part of the Morbidly Beautiful Podcasting Network. It has been established that persons who have recently died have been returning to life and committing acts of murder. Have you checked the children? children. I want to play a game. The box. You opened it. We came. This is the All America Welcome to the latest edition of the All-American Spook Show Podcast. I'm Josh. I'm joined here with Will. <laughs> and the Professor Smoke. What's up? That was, uh, uh, what you heard there was actually the corpse of Will. You see, he's <laughs> he's been dead for years, and we just uh, we just dug him back up. You know, we figured right after the holidays, why not just uh, go ahead and dredge him back up, and he, he's back on the show. Ironically, we, we get Will back, and then Donnie couldn't make it this week we haven't had much luck there with the the combination of all four of us here lately it's been it's been a minute like i, I th- maybe dawn of the dead the dawn of the dead episode right am i thinking correctly i think we were all there for that either yeah, way most of that was me yeah yeah i mean i believe so there might have been uh, one or other one one time or so that maybe one of the other wasn't there well i know uh professor he wasn't there for like an episode and a half or so hopefully we get back on the Back on the reg, you know, as far as like all four of us being here, hopefully next week Donnie can be here. But either way, we're, we're, we're stalling as long as we can here, honestly, to get to the main, to get to the main point of why we're here this week. So we had, but why to, would you want to stall? Uh, well, we had to do, it was, it was the, this time in the rotation to, to get around to cannon fodder. You know, the whole point of this series is to go through the cannon films library. And so we, you know, this being the day after Christmas and everything, we were wanting to pull something from the holidays. Well, we quickly discovered that Canon didn't, Canon Films didn't really do any directly like Christmas movies. There were a couple movies that were kind of like distributed by them in other countries and stuff like that. But for the most part, they did not produce a Christmas movie. And then a couple movies like Invasion USA got brought up. We've already done that. And there might've been another one. And then we talked about Cobra, but we kind of want to hold that one. So. We were like, all right, fine, let's just throw four random canon movies in the hopper, spin the wheel and see what comes up, and Jesus. We landed on a on a doozy here. We landed on Pirates from 1986. It's a, a Roman Polanski film. Yeah, this is gonna this is gonna be interesting. This is gonna be an interesting look. And I'm I'm also interested to see what uh, Austin Trunick, uh, author of the Canon Film Guide, what he's got to say about this, because you know he's gonna have his uh normal Canon Chronicles segment here in just a few minutes. This movie feels like a uh a Pirates of the Caribbean. If you didn't care about Captain Jack at all. Yeah. It's, <laughs> to, to, to sum it up pretty easily, yeah, it's basically the, the guy in this one, the stars Walter Matthau. And let's face it, almost anyone else in this movie you haven't seen in much else. I think there was the one guy that was like the lawyer in the movie, Dutch. Uh, he was one of the dudes that was in Willy Wonka. That was pretty much the only face that I really recognized throughout this entire movie. So it's pretty much a one-man thing. But yeah, that's basically what this is. It's, it's Walter Matthau as Captain Red. And he's Jack Sparrow before Jack Sparrow, right? <laughs> Which we'll get into that. I did see somewhere where apparently, uh, I guess Roman Polanski or you know whoever uh, wrote it, I, I can't remember right offhand. Um, they were influenced by Pirates of the Caribbean, you know, the ride at uh, you know Disneyland, Disney World, wherever they you know wrote it at. So yeah, there there is some connection there, you know, from what I can from what I can tell. So it, it's not completely lost there, I guess that it's that it's similar, but. Um, yeah, before we go any further into it though, I want to toss us some of the usual information. We want you, we encourage you to go over to, uh, the new website that we launched back on Halloween, aaspookshow.com. That's the center of the spook show universe. You can go to our Patreon from there, our YouTube channel, where we have grindhouse gutter, hammer horror in order, um, spook show rewind, all that cool stuff over on the YouTube channel. It, it'll take you to our Patreon page, which also you can go there by going to patreon.com slash aaspookshow. And you get Crapster Peace Theater every month, video mini every month, lots of other cool stuff. 
Um, we don't we don't want you to miss a thing. So that's the center of the of the universe right there is aaspookshow.com. Visit that, and that will pretty much take you to anything you want, including our archives of past episodes of the uh, of the podcast as well. So, uh, without any uh, further ado, we'll go ahead and toss to the trailer. Canon Films presents Walter Matthau in Roman Polanski's epic adventure about the most infamous, dreaded, and feared pirate of all time. I am Thomas Bartholomew Red. Long live Captain Red! He was the most daring buccaneer to sail the seven seas. A master of surprise. A genius at escape. His rightful place is on the scaffold! He had royalty for breakfast, nobles for lunch, and leftovers for dinner. Would you not prefer the head? They say he ransomed a royal princess. Three thousand? Insolent scoundrel! It's known he plundered a priceless treasure. The throne carries a curse. From the director of Chinatown and Tess, Roman Polanski. <laughs> comes a comedy spectacular. Don't go back now! It's victory or death! Walter Matthau in Roman Polanski's Pirates. All right, so there you go. That's the trailer for that. So before we uh, toss to uh, Austin's Canon Chronicles segment, though, Smoke, have you ever watched this movie before? Yeah, I wasn't sure before we... Started because I mean I you know I'd heard of it the title and the poster and all that stuff probably seen the video cover back in the day, but after watching it I don't I don't think I ever saw this back then I think it's the first time I don't remember if I did I put it out of my memory quickly. Yeah, <laughs> Will, what about you? Oh yeah, all the time we bring it up around Christmas every year. No, no, I've never yeah. seen it before. Yeah. This is an old holiday chestnut. <laughs> <laughs> I always make sure that I watch Roman Polanski's Pirates right in between Christmas and New Year's. This is the I'm not gonna spot. lie. For for a couple of years, there it was a little awkward saying, "Hey, do y'all want to watch the Roman Polanski?" <laughs> Anything really? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's probably still a little awkward to be honest with you. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're not gonna take a deep dive into that guy's past, but boy, he's got a past. I'll say that. I'll leave that there. Um, but yeah, so we'll go ahead and toss to uh, Austin Trunick and see what he's got to say about it. Canon Chronicles with Austin Trunick. Hello there, Austin Trick here, author of the Canon Film Guide. I'm here to talk about Roman Polanski's Pirates, released in the summer of 1986. I have to say, considering all of the hundreds of movies there are in the Canon Library that they could have chosen from, I have to applaud the bravery of the All-American Spook Show crew for putting themselves through a couple of the real doozies in their catalog right off the bat. I felt a little guilty about suggesting Hot Chili for this series uh, a couple months ago, but I have to go on the record here and say that I am not responsible for pirates. They brought this one on themselves. Now, there's a long backstory to this particular film because it's a movie that Roman Polanski had been talking about for almost 10 years before anyone actually saw the film. He was inspired by the pirate ride at Disney World and initially conceived of this as a fun family adventure film. For a time, it was going to be the next movie he did after Chinatown, and it was going to star Jack Nicholson, but Jack was asking too much money, and I would guess probably read the script and wasn't that interested in starring in a kid's pirate movie. The project got delayed time and time again, partially because Polanski had fled the country for really, really grotesque reasons that I won't elaborate on here because I'm sure most people listening to a movie podcast are already aware of them, but also partially because this pirate movie he was planning was going to be very, very, very expensive. Now, big names came and went over the years. Michael Caine was attached for a bit, Isabella Gianni, Natasha Kinski, Rob Lowe, and so did financiers as prospective uh, producers watched Polanski's budget needs grow to insane proportions and got scared off. Filmways, Paramount, Universal Studios were all involved at different points, and they all dropped out. It wasn't until 1984 when the ball truly got rolling, once 
a Tunisian producer started dumping his own money into the project. But the budget kept ballooning, and finally MGM UA had to get involved. The cost of this movie, which started at $15 million, that that being a number that several studios had already turned down because it was considered too high, it had blown up to over $40 million because of things like weather problems and other issues. Now, this is about where Canon enters the picture with Pirates. Plansky and his producer have this hugely expensive pirate movie on their hands by early late 85, early 86, and they're having trouble finding a distributor, mostly because everyone knows that it's this massive, massive turd. Even MGM, who had already dumped millions of dollars into making the movie, didn't want to waste more of their money to actually put it into theaters. Canon, on the other hand, they stepped up and actually paid millions of dollars for the honor of releasing Pirates. Now, stopping there for one second, though, I should point out that Canon thought they were getting more than just the distribution rights to Pirates out of this deal. They'd also gotten Roman Plansky to tentatively agree to make another movie for them, which they pre-sold at the Cannes Film Festival simply as Untitled Roman Polanski Project, with no premise, cast, or anything else, and actually got people to buy in advance, promise the money for, which is wild. The, but the, the other thing they got in that deal was the big-ass pirate ship that was built for the movie. Polanski had spent $7 million constructing a historically accurate, fully functional pirate ship for the film, and Canon, they had already been planning a swashbuckling television series called The Seahawk, and, and this ship would have saved them from having to build sets for that. But they never wound up making that TV series. But, you know, I guess they did. they did get to sail the pirate ship into the Cannes Film Festival when they premiered Pirates there in 1986. So that's cool. So how did Pirates do for Canon? Well, as expected, critics hated the movie, and it wound up on most of the biggest stinkers of the year lists in 1986. On top of that, it only made $6 million globally. And this is a film, I'll remind you, that cost $40 million to make, and then Canon spent millions more to distribute and advertise. On top of that, they never got another movie out of Polanski, as they'd hoped, and they never got to use their expensive pirate ship as anything more than a floating billboard. And so, with that background out of the way, what do I rate pirates? Can I, can I give it a zero? Is that allowed? Or how, how about this? Let me give it a one. That's one point simply because it allowed Golden Globus to sail a pirate ship into the Cannes Film Festival, and that's a pretty boss move, I have to admit. But the movie itself? Ugh, yikes. That's, that's all I can really say about it. With that, I am, I, I'm going to sign off, but good luck talking about this one, gentlemen. I will be more eager to listen to you guys discuss pirates than I will be to ever watch it again. Have a good one. Yeah, somehow I, I think he uh, he hit the nail on the head there. Like this will be way more fun talking about it here over the next little bit than we had. I'm sure we all had watching it. Good God! <laughs> By the way, I don't know if I, I said it before that I'd never seen this before either, and I seriously doubt Donnie's ever watched this before. So this is one of those this is one of those movies that's kind of like a, a clean slate, so to speak. I don't even remember even really hearing about it, like. I might have seen something a long time ago. Maybe this is one of those ones that played like on the local TV, you know, late 80s, early 90s on like the, you know, Saturday matinee or something, but I don't remember. If I if I ever did watch it, like I think like you said smoke, it was like in one ear out the other. Like, well, I'm just I'm <clears> washing <throat> my hands of that and never, you know, <laughs> never mention it to myself again kind of thing. So, I, but before we get into it, I'll throw out some of the background information. It's also known as Roman Polanski's Pirates, like, you know, full title. It debuted May 8th, 1986 at the Cannes Film Festival, and then it was actually released July 18th, 1986 here in the United States by Cathargo Films, Accent Cominco, and it was distributed, like uh, Austin said, by Cannon Film Distributing. It was rated PG-13, total runtime of two hours and one minute, although the version I saw was a little less than that, so I don't know if there's multiple versions out there, and if so, why? Why are there multiple versions of this movie? Because I think the one I watched was like a, an hour 50-something, which was 
trust me, yeah. long enough. Uh, <laughs> so I, oh, yeah. enough. Also there, it's listed as an action adventure comedy. So that's about right. Uh, it was filmed in Tunisia from November 26, 1984, all the way through August 15th of 1985. So quite a long time. And like Austin said, budget of $40 million and went on to have a worldwide gross of only $6.3 million. I think here domestically in the U.S., it only made like one point something million dollars. I didn't pull the number. But no matter how you slice it, this thing was a bomb. No doubt. Critically and financially, just a bomb. Maybe it's not one of the worst of all time because there's, there's been plenty over the last 20, 20, 25 years or so, right, that have had like $100 million budgets that didn't make that back and then some. So there have been way worse. But percentage-wise, this has got to be up there, like, you know, like a top 50 bomb in, in Hollywood history, wouldn't you think, Smoke? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's I mean, what, I don't know. It, the budget and the running time were probably more bloated than a corpse of a pirate that had to walk the plank or something. I mean, <laughs> pretty bad. I mean and that's just terrible. <laughs> One million dollars is what it made in the U.S., right? So it just said one, around one, there. One point something, yeah, in the U.S., like six point three, as I think it was worldwide. So it's nothing, yeah. nothing. I don't know what the top is, but that's got to. I mean, that's it's got to be up there. Up there. Yeah, like good. I said, I mean, there have been some movies say over the last twenty twenty five years that have had like you know over a hundred million dollar budgets that have probably yeah. not made their money back. There's been plenty of those. So I'd say over time, yes, there's probably been some that have you know, bombed worse, but this right, is, this is a little bit bad. over time as well. <laughs> yeah. This is pretty bad as, as we do when we have these stats, I'll throw out the top 10, the weekend that it debuted here in the United States. So this is the weekend of July 18th through the 20th, 1986. This was the box office snapshot. These are always interesting. Number 10 club paradise. Number nine running scared. Number eight legal Eagles. <laughs> <laughs> number, se- number seven, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. It was in its sixth week. Number six, About Last Night. Number five, Top Gun. It was in its tenth week. Number four, that Rodney Dangerfield classic, Back to School. It was in its sixth week. Number three, Ruthless People. Number two, The Karate Kid Part Two. That was in its fifth week. And we're <laughs> still raking in. And then number one in its debut weekend, Aliens. I thought you were, I-, I bet you thought I was going to say Pirates, but no. <laughs> it was Aliens. <laughs> It was Aliens in its debut week. So that's what it went up against that week was Aliens was the big one. and then But it actually was uh, Pirates ranked number 14 on the week. And it was behind another movie that opened that week, Vamp, at number 11. It actually made a little over $2 million that w- that weekend from New World Pictures. Yeah, there was... Well, some- clearly, Alien, Alien vultured some, uh, some Oh, yeah, people. yeah, of course. I mean, like... <laughs> When they, went, <laughs> when they went to the movie theater that weekend, they were like, pirates or aliens? I don't know. <laughs> Let's go look at that Sigourney Weaver. Smoke out of those movies I just said, what do you think you would have went and saw that weekend? Oh, no doubt. I've been, uh, yeah, even, well, I've been aliens. But if you'd even knocked aliens out of that picture, you said Top Gun was already in yeah, its like 10th. So yeah, I probably would have already seen that, but I might have gone seen Top Gun again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Not, not that I got anything against pirate movies, mind you. I mean, but, you know, like we were kind of talked about this offline. But there was like, a, I don't know, a handful, maybe seven or eight, nine pirate movies that came out from the late 70s to the sometime in the early 90s. None of them really cracked the top, you know, top budget movies or anything. And most of them bombed. Yeah, there weren't many for, for many years. I mean, like you had definitely already been through the heyday of pirate movies. That's for sure. Like you were well, well past it by this point for sure. Probably by the 70s, you know, 60s and 70s, you were well, well past it. Although there would be some lingering ones here and there, like there always is. But I'd say, like, pirate, I mean, even, even today, really, I mean, they're, they're still kind, it's still kind of a dead subgenre of movie, right? Other than those Pirates, pirates of the Caribbean. Pirates, yeah, revived it. And then they had all those sequels that came out that, you know, you kind of get <laughs> burned out after, like, the, I don't know how yeah. many they're up to. But, yeah, that's about the only thing. I can think of because even that didn't trigger some major, you know, comeback of pirate movies. I, I don't remember too many other ones besides Pirates of the Caribbean. Even in the wake of how many millions of dollars it made off the first few movies, or well, off the, all the movies really, but especially the first few. This one uh, actually, th- th- this is funny. It actually was nominated for an Oscar in 1987. Uh, it didn't win it, but it was nominated for best costume design. Uh, it lost to a movie called A Room with a View. I don't know if anybody's familiar with that one, but. No. But yeah, it it was nominated at least, so there's that. And uh, but it actually, costumes are fine. The sets were fine. I guess yeah. you know. 
It's just a story. I guess fair but it actually did win two awards. It won two Caesar awards in France for best production design and best costume design. It actually won those. So there were some positive things <laughs> coming out of it. Although, you know, I'm sure they didn't give a rat's ass about, about winning those after they just lost, you know, they just took a bath like that. So, but it was directed by Roman Plansky. Like, you know, like we've alluded to here, he's got a, a, a horrible sordid past that we're not going to dive into. And, uh, as Austin said, if, if you're listening to this, you, you probably know something about that. So we'll just leave it there. And if you, if you're curious, you go Google Roman Plansky. I'm sure you'll, you'll, uh, see and see some things you don't care for, but that he's, he is best known for Chinatown, uh, the tenant. He directed Rosemary's baby ton. I mean, there, there's some quality stuff in his, uh, uh, resume. It's just that, you know, his, his personal life has, I think, you know, uh, tainted, everything he that he was able to do artistically. So most people, you know, don't really, uh, aren't too fond of him for that. Uh, it was written by Roman Polanski, Gerard Brock, and John Brownjohn. That's an awesome name. <laughs> John Brownjohn. Uh, it stars Walter Matthau, Chris Campion, and Damian Thomas. Really, I mean, like, it's really kind of a two-man story, really. A two-man uh, acting job here with Wal- mostly Walter Matthau. I mean, you know, he's... He's very prominent in this movie as Captain Red. Chris Campion plays the frog. You know, his kind of his sidekick, his right-hand man. Damian Thomas, uh, he plays Don Alfonso de la Torre. He, he's the uh, the captain of the ship, the Neptune, that they're kind of fighting over throughout the movie. Olu Jacobs as uh, Bumako. Uh, he, he's pretty funny in it, and, you know, he, he kind of stands out. And uh, really, I mean, that's about it as far as, like, you know, if you're going down through here, and there's really not... You know, sometimes they'll be like, oh, there was this random guy that was in it uh, that we can point out. And there wasn't many other than, like I said, I mentioned the guy that was in Willy Wonka years ago, uh, Roy Kinnear. He plays Dutch. He's the, you know, brief part as the lawyer. Um, That's about it as far as like what I could find. I mean, did you guys have anything else you wanted to point out before we uh, dive into the ins and outs of this old, this old chestnut? No, no, I think, I think I just want to get this one over with. (laughs) I get the sense that uh, the, the the predominant feeling is fuck this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. I said this out to everybody earlier. I was like, I think this movie is still still going on somewhere. You think it is? Because it just felt like it wouldn't end. You think it ended, <laughs> but it never did. Well, you know, a funny thing about that too is like I don't own this movie. Obviously, even if I had owned this movie I'm, at one point, I would have got rid of it by, by now. But <laughs> I'm still kind of surprised. By, I'm surprised by that. To be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. But the, whatever, what, you know, not that I don't know if it's out there anywhere to watch on certain pro, you know, streaming services. I couldn't really find it. I don't, I don't, I don't so I had to watch so. it. Some, you know, all of us, I think I had to watch it somewhere else. Yeah. I'll just say it that way. Yeah. yeah. And the plug was watching it at I, the duration said, and I didn't know how long this movie was. It said two and a half hours. I know there was some links that we had. <laughs> there was a link sent out for us to, to view. Well, yeah. I hadn't, I didn't really dig into that to find that link. I just went into his this place to find it started watching it It was two and a half hours and all of a sudden when they started talking it seemed like it took a little while for them to start talking to somebody you know walking about you know, on the raft or whatever and when he did start talking it was really slow like <laughs> like so somebody had like put this movie on this certain platform and i guess thought because of the copyright they would get around that by slowing the audio down or something so yeah. The whole duration would have been two and a half hours if I'd watched it that way. So that added a whole 40 oh, minutes. They God. slowed it down to where it's 40 minutes longer. Yeah. Let's so see. there you go, Will. Want to watch a 40 minute longer version? Yeah. That's, that, that's, no. that's the Willie cut. That's what we'll... <laughs> the Willie cut. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> two hours, 30 minutes. We, I, we should have sent him that one and said, look, I couldn't find another copy anywhere. That's the one you got to watch. And then... <laughs> I hadn't seen the movie either. When Walter Matthau started talking like that, I'm like, was Walter Matthau doing something with his voice in this movie, but or or is it fucking slow? Because yeah. I mean, it wasn't. It was noticeable something was wrong, but it wasn't like super. I was exaggerating the warbly super. You know, you yeah, could just yeah. tell that it wasn't. It wasn't right. Something was, was off. Yeah, with they, it, so. they affected the audio yeah. in some way. Time for refreshment. Refreshment. For your enjoyment, there's hot fresh popcorn, tempting delicious hot dogs, and so many kinds of ice cream, and of course. Sparkling, delicious, ice-cold Coca-Cola for everybody at the refreshment counter now. For you, the listeners of the All-American Spook Show podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. So, like we do, I jumped over to Audible and I just typed in Pirates, see what will pop up. And wouldn't you know it, there's like 
uh, almost a thousand results <laughs> on Audible. Surprise, surprise. But I'll just run really? some, some, some of the top ones here. We've got the Republic of Pirates. All, all 1,000. Yeah, here we go. Here's all 948 <laughs> results. Uh, the Republic of Pirates being the true and surprising story of the Caribbean pirates and the man who brought them down by Colin Woodard. That one is uh, almost uh, 13 and a half hours long, and that's how long it takes you to read the title of the book. We've got how long the pirates movie. Yeah, yeah. The uncut. That was yeah, that was the willy cut of the pirates movie right there. <laughs> Black Flags, Blue Waters, the epic history of America's most notorious pirates by Eric J. Dolan. That one's uh, almost 10 and a half hours long. Uh, let's see. We also have Pirates! Exclamation point by Celia Rees. That one is uh, almost nine hours long. So, and there's, like I said, there's almost a thousand. There's tons of them. I mean, books by Michael Crichton, Clive Kussler, um, novelizations of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, all kinds of stuff that I see here. So, no surprise there. There's tons of options over on Audible. So, if any of that sounds like you might be interested in it, go over to audibletrial.com/slash spookshow for your free audio book. So, I'm going to hop on over to IMDb. And I'm going to click on plot summaries to see if they can do any better job of uh, summing this movie up for us. So we don't have to go that deep. And I only see a couple here, so it didn't look like we're going to get much help from IMDb this this week. We got the one sentence one. The Adventures of Pirate Captain Red and His First Mate Frog. Simple. A little longer. Uh, uh, this one was put up by Anonymous on IMDb. And I, I would want to be Anonymous too if I was you know, actually writing to IMDb about this movie. But Captain Red runs a hardy pirate ship with the able assistance of Frog, a dashing young French sailor. One day, Captain Red is captured and taken aboard a Spanish galleon. But thanks to his inventiveness, he raises the crew to mutiny, takes over the ship, and kidnaps the niece of the governor of Maracaibo. The question is, can he keep this pace up? I think that does a horrible job of summarizing this movie. <laughs> I mean, like as far as like that line, runs a hardy pirate ship with Frog, like, no, at the beginning of this movie, they're on a raft. Clearly, they've been, like, marooned or something, right? Maybe at one time, and, and there was another movie, apparently. Or there's another story somewhere that happened way before this, obviously. Cause that's I, I guess if you, if you say, you know, inciting mutiny is running a hardy ship, I guess. Yeah, well, whatever. But, yeah, so, I mean, <laughs> Will, I'm going to let you start. Is there any uh, any particular thing you wanted to start us off with here about this movie? The beginning, the middle, the end, anything? Why this movie? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why are we here today? I mean, uh, I mean, what were you on to think this movie was, was the story was worth telling? Well, we don't, who are we to question the uh, artistic abilities of Roman Polanski? <laughs> <laughs> Clearly th this almost feels like, you know, with what we know now, what we've heard, what Austin was talking about, what we've seen ourselves as far as like financially and everything, Clearly, this is something where, like, they all thought this was a good idea. Roman Polanski sold them a bill of good, sold them a really good bill of goods. The bill kept going up, and once they probably hit somewhere around twenty or thirty million, they're like, "Well, fuck, we got to finish this thing now. We got to get something out of this." So they just finished it, and then you know, Cannon, you put it out. No one else wants to touch it, and then this is what we get. And yeah, I mean, God, man, this, this this movie was just like, I mean, I know we've all said it at this point. It was really hard to watch because. Uh, again, there was nothing besides script wise. There was nothing necessarily wrong with the movie. It was just you didn't care about anything going there, on in the movie. There wasn't much story wise here. There's not much of a story. It's just like if you just want to see pirates being pirates, kind of, right? Like they kind of nail yeah. they kind of nail that a little bit, but that's about it. Like it's. There's no meat on the bone here. There's nothing to kind of latch onto. Like, well, you want to see how this ends. You don't want to see how this ends. You just want to see it end. You know, th that's two. Yeah. That's two different things to me. I guess you care about Captain Red. I guess you care about Frog, and I guess you care about the uh, the niece, right? The the uh, the, the Spanish uh, princess, whatever she was. Everyone else, you don't care. You don't care one shit about. You know, and and I guess you want to see the main bad guy. You know, the the uh, the uh, Captain of the Spanish ship, the Neptune. Uh, what was his name? It was some long convoluted thing. It was uh, Don Alfonso de la Torre. I guess you want to see him get his, you know, comeuppance, right? But he doesn't really. <laughs> Spo spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> by the way, I, I should, uh, this might be a good time to say, if you do ever want to watch Pirates, 
hit pause now, go watch it and then come back because we are going to spoil it for you. Yeah. I mean, like there's nothing to hold on to as far as like, well, I like this character. I want to see how it ends for him. Not really. You know, like they're all kind of pieces of shit as pirates would have been, I guess. Right. That that's, there's some realism there. And, uh, you don't really want to see anyone come out of this other than maybe, you know, the, the princess, you know, that's about it. I think, Talk a minute about the uh, excellent creature effects involving the shark and the snake. <laughs> <laughs> that shark, I mean, the, the snake was bad, but l- let's separate. That shark was one of the worst I've ever seen. And <laughs> where the hell did that $40 million budget go? I mean, it was just on the ship. It had to have been. I, knew, I don't know how much it cost uh, Steven Spielberg to make Jaws in 1975, but I bet you it wasn't $40 million. No, it wasn't. Uh, <laughs> and the shark. The shark alone in this movie—I don't know how much it cost. It cost them seven million dollars to build the ship. I hope they didn't spend, you know, God, I mean, five bucks on the shark. I hope not. But <laughs> I'm sure some of that budget is the actors, and you know, I'm sure Polanski got his cut, and the producers, and all that stuff. And then you've got the fact that they're filming in Tunisia. I'm sure that wasn't cheap. I, you know, I'm not, to not go through the damn, you know, uh, financial sheets on this thing, but like, where where's most of the money? Because I guess maybe in the costumes or something. I don't know. I mean, but that shark, that shark was horrible. Like, I bet it shows up twice, right? I think it was two two different scenes. Oh, yeah, it was, it was the first so, scene was. It was so awesome they had it. It was so awesome they had it come back at the very end. Yeah, that's right. And you see a little bit more of it, but you didn't need to see more of it because it no. just looked even stupider then. But yeah. the longer you looked at it, the dumber it looked. Like, the, if it had just been a fin in the water and you saw that real quick, that would have been sufficient. You didn't need to stare at this thing, but. They make you stare at it, and you're like, God, that's terrible. I mean, it's like, <laughs> you can almost see that there's a guy under there swimming with fins on. You know, like, what the? <laughs> <laughs> that's the only thing that was missing. And then the snake. Yeah, that was. That snake, man. <laughs> if, there was anything, if there was anything that made me, like, want to stop the movie and just laugh and then and then hit play, it was that. That was, that was the only scene. But it, it at least broke up the monotony. Like, that, I, that was probably one of my favorite scenes in the movie. But, not because it's a good scene. But because it's so ridiculous, of you know, the, the snake looks stupid as hell, anyways, and then it comes up and it wraps its, wraps itself very awkwardly around him, and then he pulls out his revolver is, and then shoots it, you know, in the, right in the mouth or whatever. Good old <laughs> it's bu- just ridiculous. Good old Bumaka. At least thing interesting to watch. <laughs> and to me, it was it was almost to me it looked like it was shot it, it aired in reverse, <laughs> like they were pulling it off of him. Oh yeah, I'm yeah. Sure there probably was some rapid. of that going on. That's, <laughs> I, yeah, there's no doubt there was probably some of that going on there. And then there's too like that around that time period in the movie and that scene and everything. Was it just me or was it all just kind of edited oddly when it came to that? Because it kind of came out of nowhere. It's like, oh, Bumaku got out of the castle. Now all of a sudden, like he's wearing he's wearing like his regular clothes and he's in a jungle <laughs> randomly. <laughs> And it just, it happened really fast. And all of a sudden a snake's wrapping around him. <laughs> the snake gets up on him and he puts his rifle or his pistol, or whatever, like right in its mouth. Boom. And then it just slithers away. And then see, uh, he comes out on a beach uh, uh, and now he's saved. It's like, I, I didn't w- understand what the fuck was going on there. Honestly. I thought it was just me because I, I rewound, re- I rewound that like two or three times. Like, what did I just miss? Yeah. It's like something <laughs> was missing. Like somewhere in the middle of that. I don't know what, but it's like something was missing. Like a whole scene or something, or at least yeah. a couple of cuts. There's really 20 minutes when it. Record it to send it to y'all. But... <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you, you keep that one to yourself there, Smoke. Bumaku. <laughs> Poor old Bumaku at the end when, uh, you know, we're skipping towards the end here, but uh, when he gets when he gets shot, and that, doesn't he say, Bumaku is dead, and then it falls over? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, like there's there's a lot about this movie that kind of felt Monty Python to me. Except it's like they only got one of the pythons or something. You know, oh yeah, yeah. It's like they only got that. It's like they only got one of them for five minutes. Like, hey, can you help us punch up this script? Yeah, okay, you can do this and this. Okay, thanks. And then he leaves. You know, that was it. (laughs) But it it, it turned out it was his cousin. Yeah, Johnny Python. (laughs) They didn't get Monty. They got Johnny. I was thinking about uh, talking about Monty Python and what was the movie they made that wasn't pirates? It was Vikings. It was Eric, the Eric, the conqueror, Eric, the red. Yeah. There was like, a, a it wasn't Monty Python, but it was John Cleese. And it was basically the Monty Python crew. They put out a movie of, it wasn't, like I said, it wasn't pirates. I believe it was Viking related, but it was a, uh, during that time period, somewhere in there. 
early eighties, but it was a thousand times better than this. <laughs> There's just a lot of cheesy shit in there that you, I think you would now granted, I'm not comparing this movie to anything Monty Python ever touched, right? Like that group, everything they did was gold compared to this, right? I'm, I'm going to say that right now. I just mean that like some of the silly jokes kind of felt a little bit like that, but they just didn't land at all. Like, um, when, when, right when you see Captain Red at the beginning and he, he grabs a fish and eats it, and he, he swallows the hook. He puts the hook in his mouth or whatever, like right at the beginning. Yeah. That's, that's your introduction to Captain Red. Dutch, the lawyer sitting in the bathtub and then Captain Red pisses in the bathtub. The dead man's nag when they all have to like chicken fight to the death. <laughs> it's just, it's just kind of corny, you know, Oh, another corny part when, when some of the Spanish uh, prisoners get inside the, they empty out the rum barrels and they get inside and then a few pirates are rolling them over to the to the ship, and then the uh, like I think I think we should just take one of these. Or and what do we do? Well, we just roll it out in the in the uh, in the sea, and we'll, it'll float. And then the, the 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 guy in the barrel's like, "No, don't do that," you know. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. Huh? <laughs> and then he's talking to it like, "Well, okay, wait a minute," you know. <laughs> just the cheesy shit. Another one, the, the, when they finally... So, I guess, basically, the main point of this movie is that Captain Red wants... Or, I guess it kind of becomes that main point of the movie. So, Captain Red wants this particular throne. It's like an Aztec throne or some shit, right? That they have on this Spanish ship. He's trying to take it. So, they manage to get it off the ship. Or, no, yeah. They, they manage in a clever way to kind of get the throne off the ship and get it put in their boat. <laughs> And instead of just like putting the chair down and floating their boat under this big, huge anchor chain, they decide to move the chair over the anchor chain and then the boat <laughs> floats away. <laughs> and then they're just sitting there on the chain with the throne like, well, shit, you know, and then they get caught. But that was just so, so damn corny. That whole, that whole thing. <laughs> Lots of that stuff, though. It felt that those things felt like Monty Python to me. True. But. Uh, yeah, but like I said, a Monty Python jokes that don't work. <laughs> yeah, just like for this. Yeah. And I don't know where I don't know if it had something to do with, like you said, they were trying to sort of capture Disney's Pirates of the Caribbean ride or what. But uh, I know what I noticed one of the things in this movie that I think it got trimmed down for maybe in the US and trimmed down for BBC for UK release. But uh, the rape scene or, you know, it wasn't really a rape scene, but it, the, the they had this rape. They basically say, what was her name? I forget what their name was. The princess, or not I, princess. I, I but. keep blanking. I have no idea what her name was. I, I, but keep going. I'll look it up. It was near the end, right? Or near? Well, uh, I want to say it's near the end. Hell, the movie kept ending and ending and ending before it finally really did. <laughs> like that, whatever that part was in the like, movie where it was gonna, you know, tell him the Captain Rev was gonna tell uh, the friend, the frog or whatever to you know, rape her because they're trying to extort something from the uh, from her from the guy. From, was it her father? Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, her uncle, the, the governor. Her uh, uncle. Something. I think it was her uncle. Yeah, the governor of uh, that that island that they were on. And so you know, Frog is he's kind of the he's kind of her love interest, or whatever. He doesn't want to do it. So then uh, they were going to get uh, who is the other guy now? <laughs> I'm terrible when it comes to names of this movie. I didn't even look any of them names up or which, remember them from it. But the guy, about, that, oh, the cap, the captain. No, the uh, um, Bumaku. Bumaku. Yeah, Bumaku. <laughs> yeah, he's Bumaku, like, oh, you yeah. do it, Bumaku, and then he was going to do it, and then he's yeah. like. And then Frog like attacks him or whatever, and he's like, "No, no." And so it, I don't know. I guess that was their version of like, of like sanitizing that a little bit, so that yeah. it, you know, because nobody it's a PG movie. They weren't trying to go for an R rated thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, pirates. Pirates apparently, you know, pirates rape. I guess. The, the, and even in the uh, Pirates of the Caribbean ride, there was a part of like prostitutes. Remember, there was for anybody who's rode that ride back in the day. There's there's a, a part in there where there's like the pirates chasing the prostitute around or whatever, and they're you know they're yo ho and a bottle of rum going and all that stuff, and they. Disney took that out of the uh, the ride and changed it up a little bit so it doesn't have that in there. So, you know, things that were not uh, appropriate for a PG movie, they had to trim it down a little bit. So I don't know what the original scene involved, but I wouldn't imagine it would have been R-rated anyways in itself. And even today, it wouldn't even be there, period. <laughs> yeah. Especially not in a PG movie. The uh, princess's name was Maria Dolores de la Genia de la Calde. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to remember that. <laughs> yeah, that's why none of us remembered it. Just we'll just call it the princess. The rat, okay, the rat dinner scene when they're forced to sit down. Like so, that's how Captain Red starts a mutiny. Is he puts a rat in the stew? The crew eats the stew. They find the rat. So like they start, you know, a riot on the ship, and then eventually they the Spanish, the uh, the Spaniards are able to stop the mutiny, and then they make Captain Red and Frog sit down and eat the rat. 
uh, you know, at the dinner table or whatever. That was, uh, that was interesting, huh? <laughs> I, yeah. Pulling off the leg and like, he's putting it in his mouth and chewing on it. And <laughs> so yeah. What, what'd you think of this final battle and then how it ends as far as like, basically the movie ends as it began, except now they have this throne. Uh, to me, it's just an <sighs> ending. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, hell, you would expect a conclusion like this big all-out pirate battle, and it was, but it's still, just like the rest of the movie, it really didn't go anywhere, and it was was not exciting enough to, you know. There were moments there. The, the movie that came before it. But. <laughs> to me, there were moments there where it's like, okay, you know, there, there's some stuff going on here, but then it would just, it would fall flat, and then they'd move yeah. on from it. And yeah, I think that final battle was kind of like that. It was kind of anticlimactic, like... They they race them down in a, in a like a little brig, right? They catch up to this the, this huge pirate sh- or not pirate ship, but the Spanish galleon. They catch up to it, and then he turns the cannon around and shoots a hole in the in the bottom of the brig. Like, all right, that basically means we're gonna we're gonna take this ship or we're gonna die. Then as they're taking the ship, almost immediately, dude throws like a bomb in there, whatever the hell, a piece of dynamite, whatever it was, and then catches the ship on fire. So it's like they never wanted this ship. Like, what the hell was the he had his motivation. All he cared about Captain Red was getting that throne. But you would think they would want to take the ship so they could keep going on safely. But they basically fucked the ship up right away. And then, like, he gets the throne and then they just have to abandon it. So I guess pretty much the end of the movie was Captain Red and Frog are back on a little tiny boat. He's got the throne. Everyone else either uh, got on a little, uh, you know, lifeboat and went their way or they just died. Right there, like you don't see the galleons, you know, the the Spanish ship sink or anything. So you just assume that I guess it sunk. All those dudes died, and meanwhile the uh, the Spanish, the the Spanish uh, officer and the captain and everything and that princess, they get on a little lifeboat and float that way. Unrequited love, I guess. That, <laughs> I guess that's one of the the points at the end, right? Because Frog had this little thing with her, or like you know they were kind of in love, and then like, well, that's that's over. They got separated and basically the end right yeah <laughs> and then you finally you finally the end does come and the credits roll and you're like thank god yeah <laughs> <laughs> good lord <laughs> uh it's a good thing that the uh you know when we do cannon fodder we have uh kind of a skewed um rating sliding system so that might actually help it a little bit i think um because if if we were going by the regular star rating rules on this one, it would get pretty low marks, I think. Not, I'm not saying it won't get low marks here, even on, you know, Cannonball or Cannonball rating scale, but um, I think this might help a little bit, you know. But even Austin, I mean, what did he give it? One, one Cannonball. So we'll we'll see. And like I said, I'm interested to see what Donnie's going to have to say about it because I I have a feeling he probably didn't like it too much. So, uh, Will, I guess we'll we'll let you get started here since we've pretty much said all we're going to say about this thing. What are your thoughts and then uh, what's your star rating? Tough to watch. Tough to pay attention to. I'll give it one cannonball just because it's there. <laughs> it, it it continues to exist. <laughs> and I think it's like you said, somewhere right now this movie is still going on. The story of Captain Red and Frog is still going on somewhere. All right, Smoke, what do you say? How, how many cannonballs are you going to give? Mm, well... <laughs> Well, first of all, Cannonball is doubly apt for this movie, I guess, and being a canon film and being pirates Ball. and, you know, and it, be, and cannon. and it being balls. <laughs> it being balls. Yeah. <laughs> balls. What was that from? Was it meatballs? <laughs> Ball. Meatballs. <laughs> uh, if only we were watching meatballs. Look, don't bring up a better movie right now. That's not that's not helping any anyone. I think of much better movies as I was watching this one. It, it, like, you just kept expecting at the end and it never, it never ended. Thankfully, I didn't keep on watching the two and a half hour version thing <laughs> the willy cut yeah any any one minute above and beyond the one hour and 53 minutes is too much i mean one hour and 53 minutes is way too much so but if i like like you do sometimes if you want if i wanted to be nice to the movie at least like say some positive stuff about it the only real positives i could get would be yeah this like we already said the set design was cool they spent seven million dollars on the ship and uh it was awesome <laughs> and like uh, austin said they got the to sail the ship into Cannes, you know, into the harbor at Cannes. So shipping sets, cool. Costume design, great, fantastic, fine. Acting, well enough. But, I mean, the script is just shit, and you don't care about what the <laughs> actors are doing. If the story is terrible, 
doesn't matter how good the actors are. It's still going to be a shit movie either way. Even on the sliding cannonball scale, I can't go any higher than what Will and Austin already gave it. So I'm going to I'm going to echo them and with one cannonball. Yeah, I think I'm I'm not going to be long winded about it. I think I'm just going to agree. I'm I'm going to give it one cannonball. I know for a fact there are worse there. Believe it or not, there are worse cannon movies than this because I have watched a few. So. Um, I, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna go all the way to half or zero or anything for this. But yeah, this, this it wasn't very fun. There are moments in this movie that are that are fine. Um, I've seen worse, but I've seen a whole hell of a lot better. If there was just a little bit more meat on the bone as far as story, like I, I probably would give it a slightly higher rating because of the things that, like you pointed out, smoke. Like I think set design and costume design, it looks fine, you know. And even the acting. I mean, I can't shit on the actors. I mean, they're just kind of given what they're. You know, they're taking what they're, they've been given, you know, so to speak. And, and I, I will say, as far as, like, just a singular actor, Walter Matthau does do a pretty good job in this. Uh, yeah. Al- al- although it being a less interesting, ca- you know, Captain Jack Sparrow, you know, as Captain Red. But still, I mean, I think he does fine. Yeah, I didn't even really, I mean, him being, yeah, it's Walter Matthau, but you can almost take yourself out of it and not even see Walter Matthau as that kid. He, he did well with playing a pirate and being a pirate and, even his voice, I mean, even though if you listen to it, you could tell it's Walter Matthau, but he was doing, I guess, trying to do a Caribbean type, you know, whatever. Yeah. The, the a little real, bit and you know. He really, leaned, so, I mean, he really leaned into the accent of, you know, the, what would have been the pirate British, you know, accent. I mean, it took me out of it being him and it, into his character role. So that was cool. That was, like you said, though, it's, he didn't, they don't give him much to chew on as far no. as the script. Uh, <laughs> no. Yeah, I will say this this one odd thing that I did notice about the movie was uh, you notice uh, of the Spaniards was the antagonist and the princess were the only one that had Spanish accents. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much everybody had British accents, even yeah. even if they were Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> That's not uncommon, unfortunately, of the era, right? Like you, you did see that a lot. Yeah. And, um, older movies but it was funny that they went that route for two people but not for anybody else not even her uncle yeah (laughs) oh god well we don't do uh uh, you know a kill count and a gore score because this isn't a horror movie so we'll just leave that at that and uh donnie isn't here to give his uh canon connection so we don't have that so i guess we'll we'll pretty much leave it there so we're, we're giving it a consensus so far without donnie's rating of one cannonball on the old uh cannonball rating scale here for cannon fodder so we'll leave it there but i will add before we uh tap out on imdb it got uh six out of ten stars which is uh, i'd say you know that's fairly average but that is actually a little higher than i would have expected even out of imdb you know with so many people voting um metascore on metacritic only got 32 and that's out of 100 so that's probably about right and rotten tomatoes i was only surprised by this the tomato meter only gave it 27%, no surprise. The audience score, though, was 51%. So kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with that IMDb, which is kind of an audience score as well, right? Of uh, 6 out of 10 stars and 51%. So, like, I guess apparently people that actually sit down and watch this liked it better than anyone that's going to look at it from a critical eye is what I kind of gather from, from those numbers. So I was kind of surprised by that a little bit. But whatever. To each their own, as we always say, and... We also always say you should, you know, we encourage you to watch it yourself. I mean, we had, we have fun poking at it. Uh, although this one was a little less fun than usual, but, uh, boy, what a way to end our year, huh? This is our last show of 2022 and this is the way we're going to go out. Way to end it on a down note. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm sure Will will, Will will enjoy it the second time around when he watches it, right? Give it a little bit. Yeah, I'm sure, right? You're going to be watching this one again. Why, sometime why would I, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> How much are y'all paying me? You might want to re You might want to go higher. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that that's where we'll leave it. Uh, but we, we begin 2023. We're, we're, we're starting over. We're, we're shaking it off because, good Lord, the last couple movies, uh, you know, have not been, the, the end of 2022 hasn't been all that kind. We watched the Advent calendar last week. We watched Pirates this week and then, and then crapped in between, literally, was Crapster Piece Theater Elves. Stuck right in the middle of that. So the end of the year here hasn't been quite that kind. But uh, I think things are looking up to start 2023 off with Shaun of the Dead. 
from 2004. This was Will's pick. It was we're returning back to the rotation where we all pick one every couple weeks. And uh, I will say, Will, for your part, you've been dying to uh, get this one on the show. Oh God, yeah. I, honestly, I wanted to do this probably back around like March, April, May, somewhere in there, and that's when we started coming up with the idea for a uh, camp spook show. So I just kind of had to sit here and sit on it. But God, man, this is a uh, this is one of my favorite movies. If, it is. I mean, you know, I love a, a good zombie flick, and like, like to me, this is probably one of the best love letters to the original uh, Dawn of the Dead. All right, there's no doubt about that. Uh, over on IMDb, I'll read the uh, the synopsis. The uneventful, aimless lives of a London electronic salesman and his layabout roommate are disrupted by the zombie apocalypse. So we'll dive deep into that one next week. I think it's a good way to uh, start off 2023. It's also a very good way to kind of uh, cleanse our palates after uh, the, the last couple of uh, uh, movies that we've had to watch. You know, it's like when you go into a, like a department store and they have uh, perfume samples or cologne samples for you to smell and then you start smelling too many of them and they just they either start smelling like crap or they just all smell the same because you've smelled too much so you need to sniff some coffee or something else just to get it kind of <laughs> cleanse your cleanse your nostrils a little bit so you can keep smelling them properly i think that's kind of what we need right now is a <laughs> big cup of coffee and Shaun of the dead to kind of you know, cleanse the nostrils, get the crap out of our nose, and then we can move on into 2023 with uh, a clear conscience. But um, yeah, so I, I guess that's pretty much it for this. That's that's about all we need to say about Pirates. So uh, go check it out if you get a chance. Um, come back next week for Shaun of the Dead. And uh, of course, uh, go over to aaspookshow.com. That's the center of the Spook Show universe. You can find everything there. And uh, hopefully we'll get Donnie's thoughts on this one sooner or later, and hopefully he'll be back next week. So obviously this is the day after Christmas, so we will add Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays to everyone wrapping all that stuff up, and of course, Happy New Year. So we'll see you on January 2nd. That's how we're going to be celebrating, quote-unquote, the New Year with Shaun of the Dead. But since this is the last show of 2022, guys, it's been another good year, and uh, hopefully we continue to have another even bigger year for because I think 2023 is going to be pretty big for us as far as our fifth anniversary on Halloween and everything. So for Donnie, who couldn't be here, Will, Professor Smoke, I'm Josh. We are the All-American Spook Show Podcast, and we'll talk to you next week, next year, I should say. As you leave the theater, folks, please be careful. Don't let this happen to your car. Be sure to remove the speaker before you leave. If you should accidentally pull a speaker loose, Please turn it in at our snack bar or box office. Thank you.